Matthew chapter 1, if you uh, marked where, we, where I preached uh, Sunday, this, you'd be right back there. We're going to actually look at the same verse of Scripture, a little bit surrounding it uh, more, in a totally different light than we did Sunday morning. I, uh, um, one, one thing I love to do out of the Bible is character studies. I love to look at people's lives and events because people's, they, they can tell you, I don't know if you heard today, but a man named Franco Harris passed away, 72 years old of cancer. Franco Harris was involved in what many arguably call the greatest NFL play in history. It actually happened 50 years ago. Tomorrow, they were going to, they're going to do a special, uh, he played for the, the uh, unfortunately, where's Yanni? Okay, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, <laughs> anyway. And so, yeah, I know, I know, I'm with you there. And so, uh, but uh, he, uh, they were going to retire his number. And that's an event. That's a one-time off moment. But in the text we're going to read, we're going to read of a one-time-off moment in a man that was very impressive. This was not just something he did, this revealed who he was. And it's a very profound story. A man that is often overlooked in the Christmas story, his name is Joseph. He was the engaged man to a woman named Mary, who many of you know went on to have a little baby, and we celebrate his birth on Sunday. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, who, was, uh, who, uh, who she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break, uh, uh, decided to break the engagement quietly. He considered this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, "Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save the people." from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Look, a virgin shall conceive a child and she shall give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. I want to talk to you firstly that God does not mind interrupting your life. Now, God is God is God. We will it's that's a you know an obvious statement, but yet in his lordship in his divine glory, he does not mind coming to your life and interrupting it. Notice in our text God doesn't ask Joseph, "Hey Joseph, 
Joe, would you mind, listen, I got this little dilemma. I've got this Messiah that needs to be born, and, you know, Mary's a good girl. And, you know, if it would be okay with you, I mean, I'm just asking now, if it's okay with you, I'd like to, you know, put Jesus inside her. I know she's a virgin, but, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, I can work that out. I'm, I'm kind of supernatural in that way. And so uh, I can work this out and get her, you know, and, and if it's not too much of a problem, do you mind? And yet, this is how people think God should ask them in their lives. He does not mind interrupting your life. He's not going to politely just come in and ask, Oh, would you mind if I saved your soul? He's going to put his thumb of conviction on your life. When I came into church uh, the first time, I came into a music scene and I heard some people talk about Jesus and how uh, their lives were changed and I was shocked. I had grown up in a religious uh, institution, Catholic, uh, and I had never heard about being born again or any of the scriptures. I knew a few Bible stories and that was about it. But God interrupted my life. I was going on to college. I had plans. I had, you know, uh, as far as on the outward, my life looked pretty good. I had a decent car, a decent job, a, a cute girlfriend. I mean, it wasn't bad. Had a band. We were, you know, uh, and things were on, at least in a good sense, on the outward. But God interrupted my life. He does not mind Doing this, God is focused on His plan on the earth, not on yours. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. All right then, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Here's a prophecy that God said, This is my plan. This is what I am going to do. This is what the angel reminds Joseph God had said. But in no way does God ask, is this okay? There was no real plan B. God tells Joseph, this is what I'm doing. This is through throughout the Bible. God shows up to Abraham when he's Abram in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees and says, Abraham, let's go. You're going to leave your father's house and land into a land I will show you. But he didn't tell him exactly where he was going at that moment. God does not mind interrupting people's lives. He walks by on the shore and he calls uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, says, follow me. Uh, He finds Matthew at the tax collector's booth. Uh, When Matthew leaves the booth, he's leaving his job. He's leaving his, uh, his, uh, his uh, position. He's going, he's not going to get it back. Uh, There is no way Rome would risk a man that had left once uh, and came back. They wouldn't do it. Matthew, when he walks away, when Jesus stops and says, uh, Levi, uh, uh, son of Alphaeus, you follow me, he does, God interrupts. God does not mind interrupting your life. You have to understand that about God. He does not mind or is bothered by that. He shows up to marry. A young girl, many believe that she probably was around 16 years old. 
and says, Mary, uh, you're found favor in the sight of the Lord. You're going to conceive a son, and she believes. And, you know, you can read it in Luke chapter 2. Uh, how is that possible? I've not known a man. And he says, don't worry. Uh, you know, God will take care of that and works it out. But God has a plan, and he will deal with you. And he's not always concerned with your immediate comfort, your immediate pleasure. He's interested in plan of the, his plan for redemption on the earth. And he comes to Joseph and he says... This is what I'm going to do. You need to take her as your... Jesus was to be of the lineage of David. And he's addressed as Joseph, the son of David. He's poor. He's not the king that David was. He's a small town carpenter. But God has chosen this man. You can read of others that God interrupts and doesn't have a problem with it. Esther interrupted. She's just a young girl, and she ends up uh, entering a, a, a pageant to try to become queen, does become the queen, and saves uh, the Jewish people uh, from destruction. Uh, there's others that God just interrupts. David uh, was just tending sheep uh, on, and God shows up uh, and anoints him to be, Samuel shows up and anoints him to be king of Israel. God does not mind interrupting. Paul tells us that God interrupted him. On the road to Damascus, God invades his life. Acts 26, 15, and 16, he's telling the story, and he says, God knocked him down, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness to tell people what you have seen and to tell them what I will show you in the future. The fancy word for this is election. Now, I'm not a Calvinist who believes that elections are guaranteed. That no matter what you do, a Calvinist will tell you that no matter what you do, God's will is going to happen. That is not true. You read about a man named who, all we know him as is in the Bible, is the rich, young ruler. Which is everything that the world wants. He's young, he's got power, and he's got money. And the Bible says that Jesus, he comes to Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus goes through some of the commandments, and he says, I've kept those. He says, okay, one thing you lack, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, follow me. It's the only one that Jesus ever told to sell it all, but he knew what gripped this man's heart. Because God didn't mind invading his life. But the problem is with the rich young ruler. He walked away. If you're a student of the Bible, you'll know that Jesus only said, follow me to the apostles. To those who would become one of the twelve. Was this man scheduled to replace Judas Iscariot? 
We don't know. We do know he faded into history. Ephesians 1.4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God has a plan for you. You're not an accident. You know, I've, I've actually had people tell me their parents told them you, you were an accident. But the problem is, is, in God's sight, you weren't an accident. They may not have been planning, and that's what they may be saying. But I don't think Mary was planning this either. But God had a plan. You're not an accident. You're not just a mistake. God has a sovereign plan for your life. He chose you. The question now is, will you choose him? There's others who walked away. Jonah walked away. Jonah's told to go to Nineveh, which is modern-day Iraq. So he's in Israel. Modern-day Iraq is east. He says, no, gets on a boat to go to Spain, which is west. He ends up getting thrown overboard and he, swallowed by the fish, spit up on land. He gets the whole thing plays out. And, but he said no. Pastor Mitchell used to say is, God won't make you do his will. He'll just make you wish you had done his will. Samson. Samson didn't mind being a judge. He just also liked the women. And that ended up causing him major problems. Judas, who would betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Modern days, finances, about three grand. $3,000 to sell his soul. $3,000. Can't even buy a decent car for that now. Jeremiah 1.5 Before I, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you to be my prophet to the nations. God had a plan even before this young man was born. God had a plan for your life even before you were born. Let's go back to Joseph now, because I think he can be one of the most overlooked in the Christmas story. He really can. And there's things we can learn. The one thing that I love that is noted right away of Joseph in our text, it says in verse 19 that he was a righteous man. Basically, the understanding of a righteous man is... He does what is right. Think about this situation because this is a hard situation. His girlfriend comes to him and says, Hey, 
I'm pregnant. Now, we don't know if he, he discovered this by accident or if he, uh, um, how this happened, how, if she told him, we, we're not privy to that conversation. That would be a very awkward conversation. Hey, darling, I got knocked up. And listen, it wasn't you. We know it wasn't you. We haven't done that yet. But um, it was God. An angel came to me. Do you, I mean, picture Joseph. He's got to compute all this. And it's, you know, it's going to be very, 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 very weird. It's not going to be straightforward. You know, we can think that if I choose to do what God wants me to do, it's going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to be the best. Because we can look back now at history and say, oh, look what God did. But Joseph doesn't have that opportunity at the moment. The angel comes to him and begins to visit him. And he, he, God begins to visit a, Joseph a number of times. And give him clear, clear direction. But think of this. He's got to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. This would have been, today that would be just a few hour car ride. It wouldn't be that very big. The whole nation of Israel is about the size of the state of New Jersey. So he wasn't going that far, a little over an hour in a car, but they didn't have cars back then. So he's got to travel with a pregnant wife. There would have probably been caravans going around because of the census. People had to return. And I've seen this in different countries. Uh, uh, people will be registered in other cities, and this will involve uh, them having to go back for certain events, especially in like the nation of Peru. People will go to Lima. They will go to the big cities uh, for university, but they will stay registered uh, in their city where they're from and then an election comes and the elections aren't voluntary they're compulsory if you don't vote you'll be fined so now they have to travel back and so if there's an election travel becomes crazy in a nation like peru because you know what even though the fines aren't much to you and i like twenty dollars to them that would be almost like a day's wage that would be 150 200 dollars It'd be a significant amount of money that you would probably make an effort. He goes to Bethlehem, traveling with a pregnant woman, and however he did this, whether she had a donkey to ride like some of most of the movies show or whatever, we don't know. Gets there is no place. The inn was not like, you know, was not like uh, the Hampton Inn and Suites. Wouldn't have been just like a hotel that you and I are accommodated to. A hotel would have been just, just a little bit better than a brothel. Would have been filled with soldiers. For him to go to the inn meant he was desperate. 
And even at that, some even Bible scholars believe that there was probably no room, but because she was pregnant, they had a little bit of compassion and opened up an area behind. Now the manger and the thing, that, that actually would have been a small cave. It wouldn't have been like many of us, uh, you know, think of the, you know, the wooden structure. This actually would have been in the side of the cave. If you've been on the tour in Israel, you would have seen these in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. That this is where shepherds would have been. But it wouldn't have been a pleasant room. And yet it was, he was righteous. Romans 15 verse 22. In fact, my visit has been delayed so long. Uh, In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in other places. Paul's desire didn't always line up with what he had to do at the moment. Paul was facing some difficulties. He says later that Satan had hindered me. That there were issues and problems, but he was going on in the promises and the purposes of God. The prophecies were clear. The angel reminds him of the prophecy out of Isaiah 7.14. God's eternal plan was at work. And God's plan involves our lives, but is always bigger than our lives. The blessing is we can be a part of it. The reality is it's bigger than you and I. And hindsight, today Joseph's a hero, but at the moment I'm sure this was difficult. I'm sure he's thinking, what am I doing? How did I get in? Why me? How come? Ecclesiastes 3.11, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time, and he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. When we venture out for God, we don't know how it's all going to play out. We don't, you know, things happen. We don't know the twists and turns, the delays. You know, I was thinking about 2022, you know, how in my life with the building, the ups and the downs, and, you know, January was, if you had asked me the plan in January, I would have told you one thing. If you had asked me in April, it, it had changed, but it would have been another. If you had asked me in July, it would have been another. If you had asked me in September, it would have been another. It just kept changing, but we made it. And there's times in life, we've got our plans. And you can ask somebody, oh, what's your plans for next year? And they'll tell you now, oh, I plan to do this, this, that, and this. But that's now. That's December, right before the year. If I ask you in April or May or June, how much is that going to have changed? Because circumstances have changed. Right? That's life. But we don't always see that God is working the way He's working. I'm sure there were moments... When he's looking at the stinking stable, when he's got to run in the middle of the night to Egypt, when kings show up, or wise men, or magi, they're wise men, show up with the gifts. Probably what financed their whole time in Egypt. 
God knew what he was doing, but at the moment, it's probably blowing his mind. The shepherds come in for the field to worship. It's like, how did you guys hear that my wife is here having a baby? Oh, an angel told you. No, not just an angel, a whole chorus of angels. But out of Joseph's life, there's a couple of things that we can really really see. One is the guiding hand of God. That no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're doing, what God has purposed for your life, there's a guiding hand involved. When Joseph needed serious direction change, God spoke to him. When he needed encouragement, people came and they had the right thing at the right time. I'm sure they were blown away. They took Jesus and I I think I ministered on Simeon last Christmas, takes him to the temple uh, and Simeon uh, and uh, uh, Elizabeth, the, the widow woman. Oh, Anna, I'm sorry, Anna, the widow woman, prophesy over Jesus. Sure, that was, wow. I'm sure the whole thing was the little steps. Psalms 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. There's a delight that God has based on the fact that God can direct and move and deal with people for his purpose in their lives. Joseph is a great illustration of this. We don't have volumes on him because by the time Jesus' ministry starts, Joseph has probably passed away. It would have been very common in their culture that he probably would have been 10 to 15 years older than Mary. That would have just been very common in the culture. Still common in some cultures today. The man would get established. And they would have their business in their house and build and prepare. And so they would have to be a little older. And it's just the way it is in our society. That's not the way it is. Typically, if you've married an old, you know, if there's, it can work and, you know, marriage has to be done by two people in agreement and there's a lot of factors that people have opinions if it that will work or not, but that's really up to the two individuals, isn't it? We don't know much about him. We do know that not only... Did Jesus, you know, be raised and the Messiah and such? But that his children with Mary, Joseph, uh, James rather, and Judas, would go on to be uh, apostles in the church. That James, the half-brother, the step-brother of Jesus, not his cousin, his half-brother. Our text tells us that Joseph waited until Jesus was born, but it doesn't say that he didn't wait forever. It's It's the age of the audience. I have to be careful with that. But anyway. Jude, also the book of Jude is probably, which is from Judas. 
which was a common name before Mr. Iscariot ruined it. You have to realize that life is played out over the long haul. As we go into New Year's, people will make commitments. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Those are the common ones. And by February, they've given up. Six weeks, typically, they've given up. But this was a long-term commitment God was asking for. Some of you had babies around here. I don't know if you noticed, there are a few babies around here. Because they are more contagious than COVID. I'm absolutely convinced, and I'm convinced there's going to be more. But anyway, right? They're, that's a commitment. That's a long-term commitment you just made. It doesn't really end at 18 years. Some of it changes after that, but it's a long-term commitment. God didn't mind asking Joseph. We read about, the last time we read about Joseph with Jesus, he's 12 years old. Luke chapter 2, 48 and through 50, and his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this? And his father, uh, your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you search for me? Said uh, Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Joseph's frantic. He's looking. He's being responsible. Now, Jesus was on his way to different things. He does go home, submit to them, grow. The purposes of God. But time did not wear at Joseph. It wasn't this thrill of the moment to be lost later. He made a commitment. He was willing to follow through. Think about his reward. Uh, You know, he spent time like no other man spent time with Jesus. And that's a privilege. He got opportunities. He got to, you know, I I don't know if he had to show Jesus, teach Jesus how to tie his shoes. I don't know how that works. (laughs) I just don't. Jesus, close your mouth when you eat. You know, I don't know. I I don't know how, how that all worked. But he obviously spent time like no other man with Jesus. All of the rewards in life are not seen. Everything God has for you isn't always going to be obvious to everyone. There are some things you just kind of put in your back pocket. I kind of think about the young man. You know, the Bible tells us of the feeding of the 5,000. That Andrew and Philip had gotten out of this young boy his lunch, right? Five loaves of bread, two fishes. Somehow they got it out of him. I don't know how that happened, we have no idea exactly. But he, they, they got it out of him. But, you know, at the end of it, could you imagine everybody walking away? 
Just kind of, you know, hey man, did you believe that? I heard it was only five loaves too fair. Wow, we all ate. Wow, I'm stuffed. How about you stuffed? Oh, man, it was, and it was good. It was fresh. It was amazing. And I can imagine this young boy hearing that. And I'm sure he's not going, hey, my lunch. That was me. Hey, right here. Start of the show, right here. I'm sure he wasn't. But I'm sure in his heart there was a reward that he's like, yes. That was what I was part of. The purpose of God. We know what Joseph got to be a part of. We just don't know all the details. Running to Egypt, going back. Did he teach Jesus how, you know, how would that all work? I don't know. But he had that opportunity. That blessing. And that is something you and I can experience in our lives. Maybe not that kind of time with Jesus physically on earth. I get that. But that quiet satisfaction. Do you know what? God used me in this little area here or this here. Or God helped me in this area. Or there's, and it's private. It's almost like, wow, that reward. Maybe not everybody knows. Not everybody will trumpet. Or, but God knows. And you know. And that part you play in the will of God. We never read of Joseph again. Many people, he just kind of fades from the picture and it's left at that. But the reward he would have in heaven, the blessing that he would become to the church and to the nations eventually, and even to you and I for what he did, that's remarkable. And God will bless and help us in those little areas. He was a righteous man. He did it. He went beyond. You know, the angel doesn't tell him, don't mess with Mary until after the baby's born. He just did it. And he was a righteous man for God. God invades his life, inconveniences him. He goes through the hard times, but he comes out and he's blessed. When you and I are through the hard times, come out, God will bless us. God will keep us. That's a lesson we can learn from Joseph. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this, this evening. You've come and maybe God is invading your life. You are being convicted by God. He's dealing with your heart. You're having thoughts you didn't have before. You're having feelings you didn't have before. You're curious about the Bible like you weren't never before. And it's this odd feeling. I remember having it myself as God began to deal with my heart. Never experiencing anything like that. God invaded. He didn't ask my permission. He just came and convicted me and said, Keith, you've got to change your ways. And I came to an altar and I asked Jesus to Christ to come into my heart. He changed my life. He made me a new person. And I'm so glad he invaded my life. I can't tell you that it's always been f- perfect and, and, and uh, you know, never any problems, never any hardships, never any sleepless nights. And that, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that God is good God will help. He will guide. 
And he has a great, great purpose for your life that will fulfill your life in no other way. There is nothing else on planet Earth. There's not money, relationships, pleasures, experiences that you can have that can replace the blessing and the smile of God. And if you're here tonight, you're not right with God. You want to experience what it is to be born again. It would be our privilege to pray with you and to pray for you. If that's you tonight, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Would you pray for me, preacher? I'm not right with God. I need to get my heart right with God. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You turned away. And you want to come back to Jesus. Very quickly, slip up your hand and say, Pray for me. I'm not right with God. I need to get my heart right with Jesus tonight. Anyone at all. Changing the call then to Christians. There are times Joseph was a righteous man, but there are times God will invade your life and he's not going to ask you. He doesn't ask Joseph, hey, would you mind if possibly could, you know, he just does it. God will do that in our lives. Thank God, bro. If you come down and find a place to pray, God, I need a brother who may pray with Andrew, but... God will do that in times of our lives. Different times. It's not going to be every day. It's not going to be with everything. It's not going to, you know, be an insane unchecked that kind of plan that God has for his life. It will line up with numbers of things. God has clarity. God will speak God will help. But he has no problem with that. He'll guide, but he has no problem invading. But we can see the blessing. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a song. Worship his name. Give him praise. This evening, amazing grace. My chains were gone.